Hi, I'm Ryan, and you're watching Marlboro Minute on WMCT-TV. I'm so excited to welcome Amanda Denny to the studio today. Amanda is a Marlboro resident who has just published her first novel, Sweepings of the Street. Now, that's an amazing feat for anyone, but I have to throw in there that Amanda is currently a freshman in college who wrote the majority of this novel while she was still in high school, which is really pretty awesome. Um, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, before we get into this novel, which I, I haven't finished reading, but it really is, is pretty excellent, tell me a little bit about you. Where did you go to school in Marlboro? What are your hobbies? Yeah, so I grew up in Marlboro, and I uh, graduated from AMSA Charter School oh. in the spring. Mm -hmm. And I'm now, I just finished my first semester at Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, New York. And I am not sure exactly what I'm going to study yet because I have a lot of interests and haven't quite narrowed it down. Now, let's talk a little bit about sweepings of the street. In a, in a nutshell, what is this, this big, chunky novel about? Yeah, so sweepings of the street is a historical fiction novel set in 1816 in London during the British Industrial Revolution, which is a time of a lot of change. And obviously we know that change is very hard to adjust to no matter what time period you're living right, in. Right. So uh, the main character, Sarah, is 12 years old and she grew up on a farm in the countryside of England. And uh, recently she has, her family has had to pick up and move to London because of a lack of jobs. So that's obviously a lot of changes to go through as a pretty young child. But for, and, for anyone. Yeah. For, for, and in the story, you see how her parents are adapting too, and the struggles of, of, of bringing in enough income to, to survive. And that's really the big catalyst of the story. I don't want to give too much away, though, right? Right. Yeah. So a big, obviously, a big uh, goal is for the family to make money. And that this is a time where child labor is very common and nobody really bats an eye, even though kids are working at like eight or nine. And long and days too. Yeah, this predates most child labor laws and like limits adult, on there, the work day and yeah, anything. Yeah, no yeah. adult labor laws either. No, no labor laws. <laughs> no no yeah. labor laws. Yeah. Okay, now I don't want you to give too much away. That's a pretty good synopsis of getting us where we are. And I, and I believe you have a, a little segment that you'd like to read for us? I do, yes. So this excerpt is from chapter one, and it takes place in the factory where Sarah and her family work. Oh, that's where things go down. Yes. Yes. The girl rolled up father's trouser leg and nodded grimly. We'll have to set it before you can rise, sir, she said. So we'll need bandages and some sort of straight rod. Thomas, Sarah, check the boxes, said mother. Sarah, did you hear me? Sarah tried to budge her frozen muscles. She wanted to rise and help Thomas search, but some invisible force had rooted her to the spot, trapping her in front of her injured father. 
I'll go, offered the physician's daughter, and she and Thomas crossed the factory floor to search the boxes that Thomas had discarded. Sarah relaxed her fists, which she'd unconsciously clenched against her apron. Thomas and the girl returned with a rod and strips of fabric. Regaining mobility at last, Sarah lurched to her feet. Mother took the supplies and set to work under the girl's instruction as Thomas brought Sarah aside. Breathe, Star, he whispered as she leaned against him, her chest hitching painfully. He can't walk, Thomas. Sarah's panic leaked into her voice. How would we afford a physician? How are we even going to get him home? Thomas swallowed, his Adam's apple bobbing in his throat. I don't know, he said, but we'll find a way. We always do. Mother rose behind them. This ought to hold until we get home, she said. Who is going home? Sarah gritted her teeth as the overseer stalked over to them, surveying the chaos. Mother and the girl at father's side, his leg wrapped in bandages, the boxes rooted through the ladder on the floor. One of the ladders fell, father managed. My leg. He'll have to be taken home and treated further, sir, said the physician's daughter. The overseer turned to her. These four are family, he said, but you are the fifth to waste my precious time. Go back to your post. He rewarded her kindness with a tap to the legs with his cane. Sarah let out a breath, fuming. Thomas tensed beside her. The overseer turned his gaze on Mother. How many must be spared? Two, said Mother, and one of them ought to stay home with him. He looked over Thomas and Sarah. The girl may go, he said finally, and Sarah bristled. The boy has got a man's strength. Thomas knelt and slung father's arm over his shoulder to help him rise. They looked at Sarah, who shook her head, struck with an idea. I can't lift him, sir, she said. Someone with a man's strength would do better. The man huffed in annoyance and thrust the cane from him, where it clattered to a stop behind the nearest loom, then helped Thomas lift father to his good leg. Father's face contorted in pain. Sarah tiptoed to where the cane had fallen and tucked it into the folds of her skirt then edged towards the side door to the street and slipped outside. She planned to be far away by the time he noticed it was gone. When is the audiobook version coming out? Because you have such an awesome way of reading your own text. Of course, it's that drama kid playing into it, too. <laughs> but uh, that, uh, an audiobook would, would serve this piece tremendously. You, you bring so much life to it. I have to ask you, what inspired you to write a period piece as your first big outing? So, I've had some interest in history for a while, but the thing that actually gave me the idea to start this was I was in an eighth grade English class at AMSA, and we were about to start a romantic poetry unit, mm -hmm. and we started with some sort of historical background of the what England looked like in the late 1700s into the early 1800s when these poets were writing. And this is, you know, William Wordsworth, William Blake, Lord Byron, John Keats, those people. And so we learned about a little bit of what was going on, the Industrial Revolution and the sort of loss of nature mm. and of course romantic poets didn't weren't fans of that uh and so 
the poems that I specifically remember reading were uh, two poems that are both called The Chimney Sweeper by William Blake, and they're from the, the poetry collection Songs of Innocence and of Experience. So one of them is from the Songs of Innocence and the other is from the Songs of Experience. Oh. And they sort of read the, not the same story, but the idea of child chimney sweeps in very different ways. Now you, you, you picked a very specific year to set this novel in 1816. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you chose that specific time? In 1815, there was a volcanic eruption in Indonesia, Mount Tambora cre uh, erupted and the, the ash in the atmosphere lowered worldwide temperatures by a couple degrees and oh, by created just sort of out the sun yeah, and sort of temporary climate change throughout a very large the, region yeah. yeah the whole world um, wow yeah so that created the next year 1816 is known in history as the year without a summer because the weather got so weird and bleak and crops were really bad that year. So and that's, that's what led to the, the crops failing, yes. led to this family. And that's why they have to move to London uh, at that time during the spring of 1816 is because of that crop failure after the weird weather and the, the volcanic eruption. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've done it, you finished writing the novel, you have it published, if you were talking to yourself a few years ago when you had just started this process and maybe you had some doubts, what, what would you say to, to young Amanda? I would say that just because you came up with an idea when you were really young <laughs> does not mean that it wasn't a good idea. I have so I'm 19 now, but I started writing Sweepings of the Street when I was 14. Wow, <laughs> and yeah. of course, every part of it has probably changed now. But a lot of the ideas were there from the beginning. And looking back on some of my older writing that I started when I was maybe 12 or 13, I can see maybe the writing itself was not amazing at that point, but the ideas really were. Yeah. And I want to kind of revisit some of that and see if I can make it a little more presentable, but the ideas are good. And I don't think... You just need to continue gathering tools along the way to better express those ideas. That's what we do in television and video production. That's what an, any great author will do is continue to, to grow upon that toolbox of expanding vocabulary and imagery and and now that you're able to take an idea that was always good and and really make it into a beautiful finished product yeah and going back to that innocence and experience idea of course as you get older you're learning more about the world and you know more but when you're younger you have you have ideas and you're not necessarily limited as much to reality <laughs> and right. ooh, that idea is not 
That doesn't flesh that out all the way. That idea doesn't make sense. Yeah. That idea is stupid or whatever. You don't, you start to kind of limit yourself mm. to ideas that make sense or ideas that you think are good as you get older. And a lot of the ideas that you have as a child are good, even if your older self would think they're silly. <laughs> Where can people get their hands on this book? So Word on the Street in Marlboro is a is an independent bookstore where you can order Sweepings of the Street and I It's great to shop local yes, and support those independent the, booksellers. That's the best way to get it right now. And if you're watching this outside of Marlboro, uh, I know it's also available on Amazon right yes, now too. Yes, and a whole bunch of other um, online retailers. I one of my favorites is bookshop.org, oh. which also supports independent bookstores, but you can order online also. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Amanda, it's been such a pleasure having you in the studio. And make sure you check out Sweepings of the Street by Amanda Denny. That brings us to the end of another episode of Marlboro Minute. Take care. Mm -hmm.